You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So this is Fundamentals of the Talmud. We were dealing with the second Mishnah in the 10th parak of Zvachim, and it's really a, a background of many of the rules of these korbanos. And those rules become the embodiment, according to the Mishnah, of Kedusha. The more specific rules, the more kadosh it is. It's more mekudash mechavero. Now, we've talked about philosophically in Alpipshat what the word Kedusha means. Again, as Rashi says, yesh potzad ribui Kedusha. And let's just read the Mishnah once again quickly. We talked about the fact that a chattis is trying to give ritzui from an avari chayv kares for. So clearly it must be very powerful what it does. The ola, if it's a question of the limbs themselves, even though the chattis itself, this is the paradox, is more kadosh. But in terms of what you have in front of you, which is the choice of one pieces of animal versus the other, so even though they're both going on the Mizbeach, but more of the Ola goes on the Mizbeach. So even the parts that are similar, that would go in the Chattas and in the Ola, the Ola parts are considered more Kadosh, because more of the Ola goes. So let's say, I don't know, let's say the Aseris HaKoved, or whatever it is, that goes onto the Mizbeach for both the Ola and the Chattas, the Ola would go first, because more of the Ola goes on the Mizbeach. So even the even though that oh my goes on the mizbeach too, no doesn't make a difference because the ola has everything. So everything it, it permeates every aspect of what goes on the mizbeach. So even though in terms of the blood work, the chattis is first. In terms of the carbon working, in terms of what the carbon does, the power of the carbon to be miratza. But now when we're talking about throwing it on to the top of the Mizbeach and for it to be burning, the Ola Evarim would come first. Meaning the whole Ola is Kolo And that, again, is an interesting way of splitting hairs and understanding what the difference between these things are. Um, the Asham has to do with Averus, but I would have thought maybe the Asham, the Chattas, has more Chomer Averus than the Asham. Things are Chayv Kores for Things are chayev misa for you have to do a bemezid, um, but the Mishnah uses a different terminology. The fact that the way the blood is put on the mizbeach is different, um, and that indicates that the chattas has more kedusha. Do the chattas before the oshon. Dawid Kronos. oshom kodem latoda, and by the way, it says another thing because it's also al-hayasod. Now, if you take a look at Rashi, al-hayasod, Rashi says, uva'asham lo motzinu shenemru. Now, that's an interesting Rashi. It has to do a little bit of the subject matter um, that we were starting up yesterday in our Ramban shir. It doesn't say specifically the asham gets spilled on the yasod. But the halach is you do it. We learn it out from a limud. But it doesn't lo matzinu shenemrubo. Rashi means it's not in the Torah. So here you see an interesting principle. 
that what's written in the Torah about the Chathas makes it more Kadosh than the Asham, that even though it's true the leftover blood gets spilled to the Yisod, but since it's not Mufurish in the Torah that way, the Chathas gets more of a Kedusha because of that. And there, there you see the significance, the difference between um, uh, things that are in the Torah and not in the Torah. And the fact that it's in the Torah specifically, although it's true, you have to do it for the Asham, that means the Chathas is more Kadosh, which is an interesting principle about things that are true from the Torah, but things that are... Mm-hmm. So anything that's... Is that true for everything? That anything that's mentioned specifically in the Torah is more kedusha. Right, right. And I'm going to show. Let me let me give you a, a, some indicator on that. So I happen to come across this from Volkan and Wasserman. We can you can read it with me together. Things that are we know are true based on the medical principles. Shehein daraisa mamish. Those have a status of daraisa. They're not rabbinic. They're considered less significant than things that are openly in the Torah. And he says, you can see it in the in Tosus and Yuvamas. Um, so the Gemara says that, he says, Tosus asks, if you say, in other words, if you say, even putting your fingers into the Azara, would be considered entering into the Azar that atomic person's not allowed to do. Still, the Torah allows the Mitzorah to do that. So even though for a non-Mitzorah, this would be considered an illegal entry of a Tomei person. But since this is the way you become Tohar, the Mitzorah is allowed to stick his, his thumb in in order for the blood to be sprinkled on it. So, so if that's true, once the Torah allows that, why isn't he also allowed to do everything? In other words, if you say and the Torah is allowing the thumb to go in, so if that's considered entering, why can't this whole body go in? And Tosus answers, so you see that even though there's a hekish that teaches you that if a non, if a tummy person who's not a mitzora goes in and sticks his fingers in or whatever it is into the mokum kadosh, he's chayiv kares for doing that. That's called bia. That's called entering the beis hamikdash when you're tummy. Still, the dihui would only apply, would not apply to what's mafurish in the Torah. We're, we're okay with the dihui pushing, stiff-arming the thing that's from a hekish. But we're not going to say that, oh, it's going to stiff-arm a person's whole entry or into the Beis HaMikdash, which is mafurish in the Torah. So, that's one source. Then he brings the Revel Chonin, um, Kov from the Ran. We know that a shvua to do something, as opposed to a neder, 
a shvu is not chal on a mitzvah. Because we say, you're already mishboyim ba'omdin Sinai. You already have a shvua binding you. So you can't, therefore, to take another shvua upon you that would, uh, would mean you'd bring a korban shvua for violating it. Obviously, you have to do the mitzvah anyway. It's a mitzvah in you have to lay tefillah, the mitzvah in you have to take a lulav. Whatever the mitzvah is that you're bound to do, a shvua won't work on that. Meaning, you still do it, but if you violate it, you're not going to bring a carbon for violating the shvua. You want to bring a carbon shvua. However, the Ran says that if there's something that's midaraisa, even though it's from the Torah, you have to do it, a shvua is able to plant itself on that. Why? Because it's not as, it's, it's not as much of a contradiction. Something that's from the Furish and the Torah, it doesn't make sense that you should put an individual shvuah. But something which is only re- from a drasha, even though it's true, you have to do it, there the shvuah would be foul, and you have to bring a carbon shvuah if you would violate it. So those are two sources. Then he brings our Mishnah. That's what we, we're learning, Sheila. We learn out, it's probably in our Gemara, that you have to spill the blood by the Oshem too, at the base. And therefore, and that makes it more Makudish. Even if it wouldn't have the Dawid Kronos, even if it would be the same about the Dawid Kronos. But the fact that it's more Mufurish by Khatas than Osham, that means the Osham is more Makudish. All right. So that was that little aside, Tosis Yontev or Mukhanan Wasserman helping us through this. Um then we have the, um, I'll not, um, let's go on. Oshem kodem l'todav I'll nozer mishu koche kochim. And that obviously is done in a special, specific place. Uh, there's also halachos in terms of what the animal was. Well, let's look at Rashi. Rashi says, l'chela gavoa beiz dvarim, domo ve'murim. Well, there's more that goes on, but here, that's about oaf. I read the wrong Rashi. What this means, I think, also is that it's done in a specific place. And even when it's alive, it has a different Kedusha than uh, a Shlomim, which when it's alive might be part of the ownership of the of, of the Baal. The Baal owns it enough that he's able to maybe Makadish and Isha with it, according to Rabbi Yossi Aglili. So you see that a Koche Kochim animal not only what you do with it at the end, but it's clearly a more Makudish type of thing, and therefore uh, the Osham would come before the Shlomim, and before the Korban Toda, I'm sorry. So are, is there a consistent rule in these things, or are there many rules? I, I, think you, I think you need to know your facts, Yeah. and then knowing your facts will indicate to you Which a, gra- is a, greater, a greater Kedusha. And that's why this Mishnah is a good primer for what the rules are. I mean, here we are, we're starting Kachim. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, I mean, we both learned it before, but as, 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 as we are, you know, 
recording this and trying to present it as a way to drop yourself into coaching, one of the ways you can do that, and, and you're right, it's frustrating because we don't yet have all clarity, but this is helping us, giving us this type of background. Like seeing it in dine, and I mentioned this before last week, that seeing things in a dynamic fashion allow you to um, process information better than when you are just given a list. In other words, I could say, these are the rules of the ashram, these are the rules of the chattas. Okay, and then I can tell you what each one is. The chances of you remembering it are small, but if I tell you that the ashram loses, if I set up a battle, if I set up a, 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 a contrast between them, and I use one of these salient factors to explain the difference, then your mind is already engaged. You say, why is one or the other? There's already a dynamism, and now this factor is the rationale behind it. So now that factor lives with you a little bit more, and that fact means more to you, okay? So that, that's really why when, you know, instead of, you know, that, that's why teaching about it in this fashion, I think, is a, is, is, is a productive way. There's nothing wrong with having, like I said last week, of having the Hakdam of the Rambam or the Tveris Yisrael in front of you. But nothing really supplants being in the field of play, being in the stadium and watching them knock each other around. Oh, why is Osham winning? Osham's winning because it's Koche Koche. Now the Toad and Ayol Nazir go before the Shlom. We talked about this again. I didn't upload the recording, but we talked about the significance of the fact that it's eaten only in one day. And that somehow is a greater emphasis of Kedusha. The fact that more people get involved. There's, there's, a, there's a pressure to get it done all in one day. And that, that indicates a, a humra which we are translating as an aspect of Kedusha. We philosophically tried to describe it last week based on the Nitziv, as you remember, the idea mm-hmm. of everybody being involved and it spreads more, etc. That's not what the Mishnah really says, but it's nice to put an overlay on it. And I know, Sheila, you like doing that. I know that it allows you to conceptualize easier. But just the fact that, it's, that there's less time to eat it Mm-hmm. And again, it's sort of counterintuitive, but it's really not, because the more restrictions, restrictions that yeah, are, you prioritize it. The restraint, the restriction means more kedusha, right? Mm-hmm. So less time to eat means it must be more kadosh. And besides the fact, there's also more that you have to bring, because the korban toda has all the lachamim, all the breads that go with it. Uh, the toda has that, but the shlomim does not. Shlomim, as we said last week, Kolmul Bechor, and they shang tun and matan David. Okay. Um, and, and the, and, and the Bechor only has one Nesina. Um, on the Mizbeach and no Nesachim, right? Um, and, um, the Tanufas Chazay Vishok, of course, shows you, uh, you have to do a little bit of an avoda of, of, of waving. Uh, the, the 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 chest and the thigh part of the animal, which is not done by the Bechor. Uh, the Bechor and Meister uh, Behema, we talked about that last week, what it was, Meister Behema, that's brought by the Yisrael, the Bechor brought by the Kohen, because the animals were given the Kohen, and here we come up with the idea of Kedusha Rechem. Mm-hmm. And so 
you know, clearly that is a distinction between the two. There is, like we said last week, uh, the Meister Behem has to jump through and then it becomes declared Kodosh, whereas the Bechor becomes Kodosh in essence. Nechel um, Kohanim, that was the factor we were trying to look up last week. If you remember, uh, we found the Rashi that sort of seemed to indicate that a Bechor should not be by uh, uh, by a Yisrael once the Bechor is shechted. And it's so it's and, and given to the Kohen, it's sort of as a, the meat of the animal sort of as a dinner like truma. This is what we were wondering about last week. Is it usher for Yisrael to eat the Bahor meat, or is it a specific mitzvah for the Kohen to eat it? Either way, that's a greater kedusha than there is for Meiser Behema. I was not sure about this. We were doing research on it when we had to stop abruptly. But that was what you remember we were talking about. What is the din of Bechor Nechal Lekohanim? Yeah. Right. Does it mean, is, is it, right, because is it like truma, that it's usher for a czar to eat? Or mm-hmm. is it not? Because I don't remember that from my learning, that if a Kohen shechs the Bechor and he's got part of the meat, that it's usher for him to share it with the Yisrael. Maybe that's true. I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, the the word nechel lekohanim sounds like that, but even if it doesn't mean anything so severe, even if it just means that there's a mitzvah for a special type of Jew to eat it, for the Kohen to eat it, as opposed to Yisrael, that's already a greater significance because less people can eat it. And it's only a specific type of person that can eat it, and there's less of them than there are of the people that can eat the other type. And therefore... Um, because of that, there's more Kedusha to a Bechor than there is to Meiser Behema. Um, it's interesting that both factors, the two factors that make Bechor more Kodosh, and again, you can always ask Sheila, why do we even have to say two, just say one? Right? That's another good question. Why, why you throw, isn't one enough? So part of the answer might be, well, this is a way to teach you about these laws. Right? In other words, um, you know, it's the difference between watching the highlights of a game and just hearing the score. Yeah, I wish there was a flow chart or something on this. So you know, he can... yeah. Well, you, well, again, the flow chart could be in your mind. But yeah. for example, let's say hmm, well, you could ask the question: Why does the mission need to say two things? Is one thing enough? And you could say, well, this illustrates. This is if, if I'm right that this is a way to re-familiarize ourselves with these laws. So it's worthwhile to hear, let me count the ways that it's more kadosh, right? Um, even though one would be sufficient to justify the halacha, right? But, but, but knowing two is all right. Knowing both of these is, is still good. Um, that's what I would say. Yeah, Again, I, from, it also from, gives more of a, a perspective. Yeah, from, from a pedagogical perspective. Mm-hmm. It's nice to know. And as I said in the metaphor, I was trying to say, you know, it's one thing to say, okay, uh, you know, um, the, the Boston Celtics beat the, uh, the, the, uh, the Washington Wizards by 25 points. It's another thing to actually see the way they were taken apart, to see the three-pointers that were done, to see the dunks, to see that. And I think it makes you really realize how much a better team the other team was when you see the physical highlights you're also knowing both of these things 
elevates that idea for you. It makes it more real, knowing more than one. Um, again, I, I, right, you could say, well, it's, I can still see somebody dig their heels in and say, what do I need to know two things for if one is enough? Maybe some of the Mepharsha actually ask that. It's a valid question, but for us, it's definitely an advantage. Let's see, the next one. Any of the bird korbanos. The fact is something that gets killed, and Rashi says, once it gets killed by a knife, it's more of a cousin to all the other korbanos that are done with knives. Zvochim chashive mipneishem mitzvoson meruba. This was something we were trying to figure out last time. Um, you know, again, there are more zvochim. So this is sort of like a cheating way here. In other words, I'm not so much contrasting the Meiser Behema itself, but since it is a cousin of all the rest of these guys behind them, there's many more carbonos that are cousins to this, to a bird which isn't actually slaughtered with a knife. It's done with the finger. So I would have said without this Rashi, and I think this is what I was saying last week, that the fact that you're just using a knife might itself indicate, oh, it's got to be more specialized. The fact that you have to use a klishores and not your hand indicates there's more dinim to it. But that's not what Rashi says. Right? Rashi says, Rashi has to add this line, it's, right, So we'll see, there might be another way to learn. I see Rashi was not happy with my way. Rashi needed to, to, to make it part of a larger uh, family of other korbanos. Um, Ophos were kodmim luminachos, meshen minidamim. And once again, Rashi says, it's therefore part of, as Rashi says, kaparoson maruba. There's a lot, even though you might bring a mincha sometimes for the oil of Yoraid, if you don't have any money, and it is a kapara, but much more kapara occurs with blood spilling. And therefore, the bird, which also has blood spilling, is part of all those other living things, which are many more of them. And therefore, by association with the larger group, that is what makes the oaf more significant. And um, here, I, I, I think I understand where Rashi is coming from, even in both places. The mission doesn't say Mipnesha who's sakin. It says Zevach. Mipnesha who's Zevach. And here it says Mipnesha Hain Mine Domim. So this is where Rashi gets the idea, especially the word Mine, that it's not so much this versus that. It's this as being part of a larger group. Right? Mine Domim. It's one of the group of blood spilled things where you spill blood in that animal. And therefore, um, it's different. 
Okay, so that's how I, I, there I see where Rashi gets it from. Kaparosa Maruba, meaning all those things that get blood spilled, and therefore the now. Um, mincha, what about in the Minchas itself? Once again, the Minchas Chote, which is the which is the Sota, right? That's one of the the korban of the Sota. Minchas Chote also by the O of the Yore, the O of the Yore korban comes before Minchas Nedava. Once again, because it does more. Now we jump back to the birds for a minute. We say, And that Rashi tells us we're going to see in the Gemara. Because even though we said before that the Chattas Ha'of, if you remember, we said before um, that it's Koche Kochim, as Rashi pointed out before, Chattas Ha'of, the, the Mizbeach only gets the blood, the chattas ha'of is eaten totally by Kohanim. Um, and even the olas ha'of, and again, Rashi talked about the paradox here, the olas ha'of, which comes after the chattas, right, the chattas, we're going to learn out from a special pusik. Logically, we wouldn't be able to determine that, because you could have said maybe the olas ha'of should come first, but there's going to be a pusik that tells us the chattas ha'of always comes first despite the fact that the Ola Sa'of goes completely on the Mizbeach, and the Chathas gets nothing from the Mizbeach, which would indicate it's not so strong. So you can't really use um, the same logic, this last line of the Mishnah, Chathas Sa'of Kodemus Ola Sa'of. So now I understand, Sheila, why it's at the end. In other words, it isn't about being more Mekudosh, Mechavero. It's based on some other source that Rashi's, Rashi told us is coming up in another page. But it's not really, this is the thing that doesn't belong. That's why it's here at the end. And when it comes to the chen behikdisha, as Rashi says, when you buy it, you're supposed to give the chattas the name first. Once again, that's not a din of being mekudosh mechavero. It's a din in coming first, but it's not because of the rule of tadir, which was the first Mishnah, and it's not a din of the Makudash. I almost, if I, if I, if again, it might even be justifiably a third Mishnah, you know, because it's 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 really a different halacha when we get the Chata Sa'ov Kodemus La'ola Sa'ov. It's really not connected to being Makudash. So that is the Mishnah of the second Mishnah. Very uh, a very power packed Mishnah. A lot of it, it it really gets our mind into Kachim more. Let's take a look at the first part of the Gemara that's on this Mishnah. So we start with the Gemara. The Gemara says, Mino Hanimile. What's Mino Hanimile? On what? Hmm. What? So, <laughs> so Rashi says, What? The Damchatas called him a Damola. Bevarel called him a Morechatas. So the logic can't do it. You could have just said, I don't need a Pusik for that. Isn't it obvious what's more holy comes first? No. We need a Pusik. Let's see what the Pusik says. The Pusik is going to teach us the principle. The Tanarabonon. So we, the, the Brisa, and it's probably a Sifre because it's a Pusik here in uh, Bamidbar. Let's enlarge 
scope so we can see the Pasuk clearer on the side. Now, this was a very, um, this happened when the switch occurred, I believe. Um, this is what I think when the Levium and the Bechorim sort of switched. I think this is what the Pasuk is referring to. So you, they took a par ben bokar umin choso solas, and the parsheni was taken for chatos. So, so if we look here in this chapter, again kachas levim mitoch bnei yisrael v'tiharto asam. This is where they were going to take the place of the Bechorin. So each one was supposed to take a par. It sounds like the first one would be an Ola, right? And then take a parsheni, take that lachatis. If you take a look at what each one was, it says, The Levim all put their hands on these, these cows, these bulls. Actually, cows, right? Right? Now we already know the Parsheni was a chatas. The other one, the first one mentioned, was actually an Ola. So that is the, uh, the, the each one seemed to have these animals. A lot of these, a lot of animals there, right? Seems like, right? Um, let's Again, we have to know whether each one had his own par, but it was actually two parim, maybe two parim for each levy. Not sure. You really have to go back and see. But the way it was described was let them take a par and a mincha and a second par for a chatas. That's the Pusik. We go back now to the Gemara. If it's going to tell you that there are two parim, the Pasuk later says one is a chatas, one is an ola. Why does it say or parsheni ben lachatis? Why does it have to say the word sheni? Because I would have thought, without this pusik, in other words, this word, even though this was a, a specific carbon that was not replicated ever in history, the, the, the detailed description of that carbon teaches me something about carbon activities that are part of history and part of 
codified law. What is that? Because without this Pasuk, I would have thought, nah, chattas always, everything about the chattas comes first. Which would mean, even as we were talking about in terms of the haktara, in terms of the pieces, right? Because since the chattas is, is going to be slaughtered first, it's avoda, it's essential avoda of kapara, of shrita and zrika sadam, kabbalah zrika sadam will come first because of what it indicates, because of what it's meant to do. So I would have thought down the line, chattas is always number one, even in terms of the, 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 the pieces that go on the Mizbeach. Talmud lomaru parsheni ben So this teaches us, this Pasuk by the Levian teaches us that in some cases, chattas is number two. In which cases is number two? When it has to do with the Eivarim. So, if e parsheni, if it would say parsheni, and that would be the only pasuk I'd add, I might think that the ola is completely first, even when it comes to the zrika sadam, the 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 the, the shchit and zrika sadam. Talmud Lomar, that's the Pasuk Yud Beis, va'osa sa'echad chattas v'sa'echad ola. So even though it was described as number two earlier, it's now described as the one that comes first. And that forces me to resolve the contradiction within the five psukim. Within four psukim of each other, it's first called Mr. Number Two, and then it's called Do Him First. Now I use logic. When it comes to the first part of it, that about the blood, that's about the initial actions that you're doing with the carbon, which is the shrita and the dam work. There the dam comes first. But the Pusik Shani tells me that when it comes to the actual pieces on the Mizbeach, there the Ola comes first. Which is interesting, um, how that, so now I use my logic. So it, you know, you, you're, you look back over here, there's a tremendous amount of, 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 of your logical reasoning, but the, the Gemara seems to indicate that without the clues from the Pasuk, you might not have known what to do. So the answer is still, the question is still a solid, the question and answer is still correct. Yes, without these psukim, I still might not, in the, in the contradiction in the psukim, I might have gone all the way with one or the other. I might have reasoned, well, the Ola goes totally to God, that, that should go totally first. Or I might have said, the Chathis, well, look what it's able to do. It's able to bring you back after you did an Averia Chayav Kares for. So... I need the, 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 the psukim and the contradiction there to allow my logical brain to insert itself as to what makes sense. So now that I have, hmm, sometimes this is first, sometimes that's first. So now I just use my brain to say, okay, now that fits in. 
So the Pusik is really the linchpin to allow the subtlety of understanding which comes first, depending on what state you are in the carbon. If I didn't have that clue, if I didn't have that clue from the Torah, I might not have understood that in some times Chattas would come first. But now that I have that clue from the Torah, that a Chattas is called Mr. Two, I'm not exactly, I'm not on top. So that gives me the, the ability to make that, to make that jump. Now here, I would say, again, looking back, because you know, we've been in the Rambam sort of state of mind the last couple of you know, months, we're learning the Rambam every, every week, um, besides learning this. I would say this reminds me of something that they knew was true, Sheila, and this was just a way to confirm it. In other words, there was already a Kabbalah that how to do these avodas in the base of Eposh. And Chazal are sort of like discovering, ah, you see, this is this is this shows you how our tradition is true. In other words, there was already a Kabbalah from Meish Rabbeinu to Aaron to the Kohanim there that that this is the way it works. And Chazal found the psukim that justify that Kabbalah. That's that, that, this is what this sounds like to me. I see, yeah. Because, you know, and, and oh, look, oh, do you remember that parsha that has to do with the Leviim show becoming uh, the, the uh, taking over? Yeah, let's look at that again. Oh, that's where that halacha comes from. Uh, it might be that's what God, God meant that the rabbis have very. Um, proficient powers and understanding, you know, what, what the hints of the Torah are. But it, it, it was probably something that they knew in advance. Um, let's do one last thing. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 